Praise the Lord. It's really wonderful to be here this morning. Uh, it's good to have Pastor Glenn back again. Where is Glenn? He's, he's made it. He's made it in one piece back from Ghana. He stopped sweating. So praise the Lord for that. It's wonderful to have him back again. And I know he's had a great time with, with Pastor Osmond. Why I said about reacting, I was over there, as you know, a few weeks ago, married Osmond and Tamika, and he's met Tamika now. And uh, when, when I did the proceedings, if any of you watched it on, on Facebook or on YouTube, every time I, I said, who gives this one? All the people went crazy running around the place, and I had to settle them down for the next part of the vows. So it was a totally different sort of scenario from here. Uh, this, this morning, we're, we're talking about bringing the Bible back to life, and I did want to, before I start this morning, just emphasize the work, I know we'll be doing it in a few weeks' time, but the work of, of Betty Madison's work in Jubilee that meets here weekly. There are cards in the foyer, and the reason why I wanted to mention that first this morning is, uh, my job's to talk about what the Bible says about money, how to make ends meet, and you may be in difficulty with money, and if you are, there's a wonderful group called Jubilee who will help you talk through the idea of budgeting, the idea of how you got to where you are and how you can get help to get yourself out. So please, if you're interested in that, uh, I'm not expecting anybody to come to the front and say, oh, Lamb of God, I come with my bills and all. It's not going to be like that this morning. You won't want anybody to see you. But just take one of these, and then you can contact the Jubilee Center during the week. I wanted to say that just first to start off this morning. The whole theme of the last number of weeks has been bringing the Bible to life. There's a great way of bringing the Bible to life. Open it! It's a self-life-giving book. So I'll say, that's all you've got to do is open it up and read it. And it will, it brings itself to life. I love the Bible. It's my favorite book in all the world. John Wesley said he was a man of one book. He didn't mean he didn't read any other books, but above all else, there was one book that answered everything. And so this morning, I want to, to look a little bit at that. Now, when I was doing the video this week, I made a mistake at the end of the video, and it was a Freudian slip, but actually, it is exactly where I'm going, making ends meet or making men eat. So where we're going this morning is we're having communion together and the whole idea of the service for me is looking at money, look at what the Bible says about the Bible and about money and about maybe some ideas and then some scriptures that God, I believe, laid on my heart and we're going to finish with communion, which is an incredible feast together of understanding what God said. In the first communion, if you go back to the Passover, when they went through the wilderness, it says that their shoes did not wear out and their clothes did not wear out. 40 years of making ends meet with nothing. That's a good deal. So that's where we're heading this morning. Oh, very good. Response. Praise the Lord. That's okay. We can do that. I just took a note of this just today. The average UK household debt stands at a record 15,400. That does not count mortgages. Now, most people, if you've bought a house, you've got a mortgage, you've probably got something outstanding on that, depending on your age, but this doesn't count mortgages. It does count student loans, but not mortgages. The average UK household debt stands at a record 15,400. That's every family in the UK. Isn't that amazing? That's quite shocking. If you think that's the average, and a lot of you here owe nothing, you think about what some people do. I just wanted to give you that, not to sort of depress you at the beginning. It gets better than this, but that's just the start, all right? Bringing the Bible to life. 
is an important thing to understand what the Bible says. I've given you some notes this morning. There were, Shirley put them in the leaflets for me. Basically, I'm not going through all of that. There are so many scriptures there that are, are scriptures that are important to me. But I wanted you to have them. So in your own time, if you want to, if you don't, you can light the fire with it. But if you want to, just take it yourself and go through those scriptures and understand the power of the word. When I first got the theme and, and Susanna sent me and Glenn asked me to speak on this one, I first of all thought, no, I, that's not the best one for me to speak on because my life isn't normal. I don't have a salary as normal. I don't have the pressures of a young family as a lot of people have. So nobody's paying my wages. So my circumstances are a little bit different. So how could I handle this? But bringing the Bible to life, I could not do without the Bible. This is my, my source book. And God speaks directly through this word. Most of the major decisions we've made in life have been from this book. Whatever it is, it's come from this book. He can speak about your house, where to live, where to work, who to work for. He can speak to you through his word. And I love that. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Joshua 1 verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, that you might be successful wherever you go. And this is one of the key scriptures, John chapter 15 verse 7. Jesus said to his disciples, if you remain in me and my words, and that's the difference in them. I know many of you, most of you know this, but there are two words for the word in Bible. The Logos word, which is the written word. And then there's the Rima, which is the word that God takes from his Logos word, and he speaks it into your life. So you'll have discovered this. When you're reading your Bible, maybe during the week you read your Bible and a verse jumps out at you. You're just reading it. One of the first verses I ever read was Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's the first verse that I ever remember learning. And yet it's the verse that I need more than any other today. So it speaks to me that if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to me. And that's been our experience. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Bringing the Bible to life. It's a life-giving book. Just read it. And, and if you're younger and used to reading it on your smartphone, uh, get a written one as well. Not because there's anything wrong with the smartphone. It's just a friend of ours down in Norwich, a lady, a pastor's wife in Norwich this week. She was talking, her testimony was with her, I don't know, two or three-year-old girl. And uh, she was used to reading on her phone each morning. And her little girl thought she was playing games on her phone. So she felt challenged, so she changed and started to read a physical Bible. Now the little girl gets her Bible out, reads with her, because she understands that she's reading the Bible. So just encourage you, if you have a digital one, make sure you've got a, a written one as well, just to help you. Managing money. Now, when, managing money, when, when I go, go back to when we were young, how many of you remember going around the supermarket? Kathy and I did our shopping together in Stewart Supermarket in Portadown when we first got married. And one of us had the calculator and one of us pushed the trolley. And when we got to, we thought, have we got enough money for that? We added up a, a butter. Can we, can we afford that? Can we afford that? Do you remember doing that? You're really old, like I'm getting old. But you see, it was easy in those days because when you got to the limit of where you could go, then you had to stop. Good idea, really. Don't buy what you cannot afford. 
This is not brain surgery this morning. This is just stuff. But of course, our world tells us we can buy and we can have it now. You need that 65-inch television on your wall. And you can get it today. Get it on your, on your card. Don't dwell on what you cannot afford. These are just some ideas given to me. If you want a fast car, you want a fancy car, you can't afford it. Don't go walking around the showrooms. That's just basic stupidity. Leave it there. Don't get into debt if you can avoid it. Now, I say if you can avoid it because if you're a plumber and you've got to start off your business and you have to buy and invest in things, obviously, you're going to have to get that loan to get that stuff so you can do what you're going to do. But don't get into debt if you can avoid it. That's not a good thing. Don't compare yourself with others. That's the biggest problem. When I travel overseas, when I go to Ghana, I'm a very rich man. Because I'm mixing with people who have nothing. I remember going with Richard Cutting over to India and a few others from here many years ago. And we gave pencils to kids in a village we went to. We gave them pencils. And you would have thought, we hadn't even sharpened them. I mean, it was quite funny. This, what do we do with this? There's no end on it. But they, they were so excited to be given a pencil. Try that next Christmas morning to your child. <laughs> Don't load your credit card. Now, one of the adverts I hate that came on recently was Simon Cowell, should be ashamed of himself, advertising for Barclays Bank. And if you look at that advert, which talks about the, the reckoner of, of being able to pay off your loan, he says it's bad business. And you know, you know the advert I'm talking about? it. But if you look at the computer, there's a big debt on the computer. And it's what it's saying to you is that's normal to have a debt. So I use a credit card for my travel, for my Joshua project. That's the only thing. Because I could not handle a credit card. So my personality, which is all over the place does not need a credit card. I'll tell you why. Because when I buy something on a credit card, I forgot that I bought it and think I got a load of money. That's just my mind. It's somewhere else. So I don't use a credit card, don't, uh, apart from what my, my business. Don't borrow for Christmas. Don't borrow for your kids at Christmas time. That's daft. Be careful with advertisements. These are just little things. Wind them on. There's no such thing as gambling responsibly. There's not. Just some little things. Anyway, what the Bible says, and where I want us to go this morning with this, is that God owns everything. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, and you've got several scriptures there in front of you, God owns everything. The, the cattle on a thousand hills, you've often heard it quoted, people quote it in their prayers. God owns that. He's not going to, to run out of money. He's not going to have to sell the pearly gates. He owns everything. We are his children. So it's possible for him to give what he wants to give us. God owns everything. For all the earth is mine. Job 41 verse 11 says the same. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God owns everything. Number two, what the Bible says about money. Money can ruin us. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's neither here nor there, but the love of it can ruin us. And how you ruin somebody is give them plenty of money. If you ever watch any of the documentaries of people who win the lottery, most of them make a total hash of their life. You find the debt that the modern premiership footballer is in, who are paid hundreds of thousands a week. The gambling that they get involved in. Money can ruin us. Now, you might think, well, just give me a chance to prove you wrong in that. That's, I understand that. Matthew 6, 24 says, you cannot serve God and money. Luke 12, verse 34, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
Number three, strive to be content. Hebrews 13 from verse 5 says, Be content with such things as you have. Do you need the carpet changed? Do you need a new car? Maybe you do. That wasn't meant to be a sexist statement, by the way. That was just, be content. Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13 is one of the most incredible scriptures. Paul says this, and this is written towards the end of his life, end of his ministry, the book of of Philippians. He says, I've learned the secret. As an older man, I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance, whether having everything or nothing. I've learned the secret. Strive to be content. Proverbs 22, verse 1. I mention this because it's one of Osmond Awusu's favorite verses. He's quoted this to me many times. An uncle, I think it was, quoted to him. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. That's one of the reasons why he stayed in Jamestown and didn't go like a lot of pastors told him to go to a wealthier place. A good name is more important than treasure. Strive to be content. Number four, be careful with debt. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. When we owe money, we're a slave to those we owe money to. So we've got to get out of that trap. And now thank God for the Jubilee Center that helps you get out of that fix that you're in. But we must get out of it. The trouble is a lot of people work with the idea of another credit card piling up something else. And it's, it's a, a dangerous game to be in. Number five, strive to be a giver. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, and your barns will be full. Malachi 3, verse 10, the only place where where God says, Test me in this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, I know you're doing this. I'm just encouraging you in what you're already doing. You bring your tithes to the Lord. You give to God. God sees that. And he works with the seed that you give. God needs seed to work with. Everything in life is based around agriculture. Everything that we do is based around agriculture. And if we don't sow seed, we won't have a harvest. Because God can only work with the seed that we sow. And so he multiplies that. Test me, he says, in that. But then in Mark chapter 12, verse 43, there's the story of Jesus looking at the poor widow. And she put in the small mite and he said she's given more than all of the others. So it's not the amount that we give. Acts 20, verse 35 says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And my God shall supply all your needs. Philippians 4, verse 19. And then number 6 but his kingdom first. That was the first verse that I learned. I learned it in the King James Version. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Those are some of the things the Bible says about money, how to make ends meet. But as I was praying about this, and as as I told you in the the video, I, I got it wrong, but this is where my mind was going. We don't want to just make our ends meet. Who wants to make our ends meet and leave it at that? That is actually the definition of selfishness. And we are different. And that's why the church is different. That's why Steve talks about the the living rooms, the Jubilee Center, the uh, street angels that go out. What, What is it about the church? There's something about the church that turns the world's principles upside down. The world says, live for you, live for yourself, put yourself first, get your needs met, make sure you're number one. 
But the Bible says, actually, you're not number one. God's number one. But then we put other people in before ourselves. That's just the way it is. We're not here to meet our needs. We are here to meet the needs of North Allerton. The church is not here even just to meet the needs of North Allerton, but it's here to meet the needs of the country, or to meet the needs of Europe, or to meet the needs of the world. There's something bigger when we come into the church, when we come before God, He turns our eyes away from ourselves and turns them out towards others. So if we were to stop and say, hey, it's all about making, making our ends meet, God would say, well, that's the start of it. Sure, we want to make our ends meet. We have to pay our bills. But when we get past that, we've got to go to where people are so that we can help them meet their needs. And their greatest need is to find Jesus. So there are three scriptures... The first one is in 1 Kings chapter 17, 8 to 24, where God said to Elijah, while he was at the brook Cherith, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow lady. I've commanded her to meet your needs. I want you to go to her, and she's going to feed you. And when he gets to her, you'll see it in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9 says, go to Zarephath. And look at verse 10. It says, He rose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, Please give me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And it seems an awfully strange thing to preacher, this prosperity preacher who flies over to Zarephath and sees a little lady who's got her last meal. Ah, I just, just got a word from God for you. You're going to give that to me first. It sounds a little bit, when you read it, but actually, listen, read the whole scripture. Because he gives her a word. He says, I want to tell you, God's got a word for you. This is not the end. God's going to sustain you. God's going to bless you where you're going to meet the needs of everybody else. And as I read through the story, he says to her in verse 14, The jar of oil shall not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. So that's what happened. Verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord. But look at verse 17. Now, it happened after these things. The son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, how did Elijah get there? Elijah got there because God told him to go away from where he was, drinking water by Zarephath and eating from the ravens. And God said, I want you to go to Zarephath because I've got a job for you to do there. Because there's going to be a young boy who's going to die. He didn't tell him this, but there's going to be a young boy that's going to die. And I want you to be in the right place at the right time. So that little boy, I've got a plan for him and he's going to live. So I'm going to get you to this little old lady and I'm going to get you in the right position. Oh, it's not about oil. It's not about a a loaf of bread, but it's about the life of a young boy who's going to die if you don't go out and stop meeting your needs and go and meet the needs of somebody else. And so this boy gets sick, and she comes to him in in verse verse 18. She said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, of man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Have you come to me because this is where we are? My boy is now dead because you've come to me. So he said, give me your son. And in verse 9, took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his own bed. He cried, God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? Stretched himself out 
O Lord God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper room into the house, gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. He was the right man in the right place at the right time making ends meet. It's not about making our ends meet. It's about going from where we are to make the needs of other people meet. And God will take each one of us as we walk with him and will take us to the places where he takes us and will lead us to the people he leads us to. And we don't realize that there are things going on in the background. Elijah never knew that boy was going to take ill. He never knew there was going to be a tragedy. But when it happened, he was in the place because he wasn't about meeting his own needs. He was about meeting the needs of others. Number two. The feeding of the 5,000. This is what came into my mind immediately when I was asked to speak on this passage. It's a very, very famous, probably the most famous one in the Bible because it's the only one that's mentioned in all four gospel accounts. We have it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've quoted Mark chapter 6 and verse 37 because Jesus had been preaching. He wasn't a short 20-minute preacher. Jesus wasn't. He was talking all day. And the disciples came to him and said, hey, we're starving. This is my interpretation of it. For goodness sake, you're the son of God. You don't even need to eat. We're hungry. All these people, we're going to kill them. Let them go away and get something to eat. And Jesus said in this verse, in Mark chapter 6, 37, you give them something to eat. What were they saying? They're saying, well, actually, we're going to meet our own needs. And we want them to meet their own needs. But Jesus said, no, I want you to meet their needs. Is that possible? Is that possible where we can meet the needs of other people? You might say to me this morning, ah, but look, I'm restricted. I'm on a pension. This is what I have. Listen, folks, God can work miracles with what we have. He cannot do anything with what you don't have, but he can work miracles with what you have. God can multiply what you have to meet the needs of any amount of people. That's the testimony of the church. It's the testimony of the people of God down through the ages. So you decide where you want to be. If you want to say to God, God, I'm a retired man. I've done all I want. I'm finished my life. I just want to live in my little house, in my little bungalow, and I want to live for me, my, and mine. Then go ahead. But there is the potential of God saying, hold on, I've placed you in a neighborhood where there are people next door and next door. I've placed you in a town where there are people with needs. And if you Tune your ears in. I'll take you day by day to people in that shop, in that shop, in that place. People who you'll see and I'll prompt you. And and when you're open to me, you'll be able to meet their needs. And I'm not talking necessarily money. I'm saying we can give them a word from the Lord. That's what Elijah did. Let me tell you, little old lady, the Lord says that this, this oil will not run out. This flower will not run out until the day the Lord brings rain on the earth. And that was the way that it happened. What an incredible gospel we have today, folks. You aren't just anybody. You aren't just a little old lady who lives in North Allerton or a young guy who goes to the school. You are a mighty servant of God. In you is the word of God. You've been redeemed. You've been set aside. You've been set in heavenly places with Christ. What a mighty person you are. The disciples had been concerned about their own needs, but Jesus opened their eyes to the needs 
of others. Are you with me this morning? That's good. I like the response. God can do some amazing things when we we give him what we have. Of course, the most important thing, if you'd asked Kathy and I what the most important thing you've discovered over the years as far as making ends meet, it's this. Sometimes we talk about Jesus providing for us. But I think one of the greatest things to understand is this, is that Jesus doesn't provide for us. He is our provider. Because if he provides for us, which he does, of course, one includes the other. But if all he does is provide for us, then we're waiting for testimony after testimony of how God met this need, how God met that need. If you know him as your provider, you don't need to have a testimony because you can relax because you know he's going to provide each time. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. In our ministry, I thank God in my traveling. Uh, I thank God in the traveling. Years ago, we were pulled back a few years ago. In IGO, we, we, um, when we got the premises down in North Wales, I don't know how many years. It was 20, oh, I do know when it, when it changed. In 2012, when uh, one charity became another charity, and so the, the, we transferred the assets of the big building into, into a one charity. The, the auditors, because there was this, it, it was worth, it was valued at a certain amount of money, and because it was valued, it looked like a lot of money changed hands, which it didn't. It was just a, a paper transaction. But because of that, on paper, it kicked in an audit. And the, the auditors came to me. What I was doing from before that was I was going on my trips. I go on a lot of trips, and I use a credit card. From my, you have to, over the internet, I use my credit card. And, and I didn't worry about going into debt, because if you went into as long as I had it paid for by the time I did the trip, I thought that was okay. But the, the, our accountants came to me and said, no, that's not good enough. You're part of a charity. The charity has got a balance. You are putting it into the red. It doesn't look good to the charity commissioners. If your ministry goes in the red, and yet the other part of the ministry is in the black, it, that doesn't look good, so stop it. So I, I stopped it. And, uh, but from that day, in 2012, from that day, I have never had to go on a trip where God hadn't paid for it when I put it on the card. The money has been there every single time. And the reason I say that to you today is that God will honor those that honor him. Now, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with me. All I'm saying is that when you put yourself out to where God wants you to meet the needs of other people, that somehow gains the favor of God whereby he goes ahead of you. I'm saying to people all the time when they think they want to go to the mission field, they say, I can't afford it. Listen, I'm telling you, you put yourself where you're going to go to somewhere where God wants you to go. He will pay your bills. He will provide the money for you to do it. We need to understand he's not just our provision, he's our provider. I want to come to a conclusion this morning, and we're going to come to communion. I have no idea how long I've preached. I haven't a clue, because you look so good. Walking through the wilderness. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, originally, he took it from the Passover. And in the Passover, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you look through that, and look through Deuteronomy 29, you look at what it says there. In fact, I'm going to do that, and this will be the, we'll come to a conclusion with this. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at this. It doesn't need to be a long message this morning. Let me tell you, half the message is around the communion table, because this is where you'll receive from God. I believe in communion. I believe something happens at the communion table. John Wesley said, have it as often as you can have it. Something happens when you take the bread and the wine. Something happens. 
There's something, a transaction that takes place when you come to the table. And when you look at Deuteronomy and chapter 8, look what it says, Deuteronomy 8 and and verse 4. This is what what God said, "Your, your garments did not wear out. They've celebrated Passover together. They've gone through the Red Sea. And it says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are full, Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. This is in the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant. This is what God said to those who celebrated the the Passover together. And then the angel of death passed over them. And they went out across the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness. And this was the testimony God said. Your shoes will not wear out. Your clothes will not wear out. And God blessed them, bringing them into a good, good land. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we read this week after week, don't we? You know it off by heart. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered, also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the old covenant that was celebrated at the Passover, the old covenant, when they took the lamb, when they they killed the lamb and spread the blood, that old covenant, as they walked through the wilderness, kept their shoes, kept their clothes, kept their lives, brought them into a good land. Jesus brought a new covenant. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance as me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. God has blessed us. God has blessed us tremendously. Depends who we compare ourselves with, of course. But I'm talking future talk here. In your mind and in my mind, as I look out from here, making the, bringing the Bible to life, I hope you've felt it come to life a little bit this morning. But when we allow the Bible to come to life and we realize that actually it, it is a book that talks about our needs. It is a book where we can understand how to make our, our needs met. But it's much, much more than that. Because Jesus didn't come down to earth for himself. He, he didn't need to come. He came for you, and he came for me. He didn't have to do it, but he did for your sake. And the Bible says in John, he says, As the Father sent me, so I send you, therefore go. I love this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 10. It's a blessing, really, talking about giving. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... That means you sow it. Bread for the eater, supply and multiply the seed you have sown 
and increase the fruits of your righteousness. When I read that, I have to ask God for wisdom then. I've got to sow some, and I've got to eat some. You've got to know what you eat of your supply, and you've got to know what you sow. But I can promise you this, that when you sow, God sowed his life into us. Communion is all about sowing. This is all about a sowing, a sowing of the life of Jesus into us. He sowed his life into you and to me, gave us everything, and then sends us out as seed to be multiplied. That means things could happen. Of course, seed, if seed's going to grow, it has to be stuck in the ground. And some of you might think you've been stuck in the ground somewhere with some manure thrown over your head. That's how seed grows. But God takes your seed and He causes your seed, because it wasn't for you, and He causes it to grow and will multiply North Allerton, will multiply the provision of people in North Allerton. This is an exciting place this morning. New Life Baptist Church, NLBC. This is an exciting place because this is the hope of North Allerton. Other churches are as well, of course. But you are the hope of this place because you'll meet, you get your needs met. But as we share together communion, God wants to meet not just your needs, but he wants to meet the needs of your family, the needs of your relative, the needs of your neighbors, the needs of this town, the needs of the world. As we share communion this morning, let's let our eyes go beyond our own needs to the needs of the world in which he's placed us. Father, I thank you today that you love us. I thank you that you've given us everything into our lives. The whole earth is the Lord's, but thank you that you've given us this part. So, Lord, as we share communion together this morning, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the body. Thank you, Lord, you sacrificed yourself for us, for others. And so, Lord, as we take this morning, pray that you'll meet our needs as we stand before you. But I pray you'll do more than that, that you'll take us and open our eyes so that we see the needs of other people, that we will go and meet their needs. In Jesus' name.